hey, would you be interested in going out semi-permanently and being the MC of um, this female oil wrestling show? But the only issue is that we've got four girls that we fly out there living in a two-bedroom apartment. I mean, you'd have to live with them. Welcome to the Aloha Friday podcast, coming from the Landsberg Law Office in the historic penthouse suite of the Executive Center in downtown Honolulu. Here we talk to the most interesting people we know, from current events to how they got to where they are to how they see the world. And now, your co-hosts of the Aloha Friday podcast, Marcus Landsberg and Naomi Cooper Christensen. Hello, this is Aloha Friday Podcast, and this is your host, Naomi Cooper Christensen, and my co-host, Marcus Landsberg. Hi, hey, Marcus. Hey, Naomi. How are you doing today? Good, We're good. Doing how are great. you? We have a special guest tonight. Um, he's actually a good friend of both of ours, and we ironically didn't realize that we were both talking about the same person when we were considering who to have on the, on the podcast tonight. Uh, this is TJ. TJ, did you want to introduce yourself before I give it a go? No, I, I'm TJ Thompson. I probably, um, I don't know, I'm known for a bunch of stuff now, but probably best known as sort of the godfather of mixed martial arts, ran fights in Hawaii for a whole long time, but um, have had a whole bunch of different uh, career moves and still trying, yes. to figure, still, still trying to figure out what I, be, what I want to be when I grow up. Right? <laughs> so... This is what's really funny is I actually haven't talked to him in, oh gosh, maybe 10 years, I it think longer than that. Right? Yep. 10 years. And I met him when I was 19. Was I 19, 18, something like that. I, Very young. I, I didn't ask, I didn't ask ages back then. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and you know what? <laughs> you know what? Yes, it was, it was, a. he was, he was very fun, but a really good gentleman at the same time. And he was quite an interesting fellow. I'll never forget that he had his hair done with gel every single time I saw him. And he actually was dating, <laughs> he was dating my girlfriend who was the same age as I. So, um, it was a it was a really interesting story. What I remember the most about him, though, was his stories of Uh-oh. being a Chippendale, and I really wanted to tap in here. So he was a Chippendale. <laughs> he showed me the some women pictures. Immediately go to the Chippendale right? story. Yeah, I think this is so interesting. But then, how did that TJ turn into? Could have cured cancer. And it would start with the Chippendale story. Right. <laughs> and and somehow, somehow it has to start there. So we have to start there. <laughs> Absolutely. We just have to. Yeah. Okay. Well, How did this start? I, I was um I was actually the last time I had a job um in my life that I would consider a job, I was I was going to um Northeastern University in Boston. Um I I had done pretty well in, in high school, but but never had been sort of a go-getter as far as, um, um, you know, having a lot of drive. So I, I had, I had uh, when we were getting ready to apply to colleges, I applied to Northeastern University as my backup school. But really? if, anyone knows, if anyone knows, it's it's a pain in the butt. I, I just hate paperwork. So I was putting off applying to um, Boston College and Boston University and Ithaca and all these other places I wanted to go. And about two weeks later, I still hadn't filled out any any uh, uh, paperwork <laughs> in Northeastern accepted me. So I thought, those are sort of all amazing schools right there. Yeah, I know. Northeastern, not so much, but they accepted me first. I didn't have to do any more paperwork. So I accepted. <laughs> so as I'm in, uh, as I'm in Northeastern, I'm uh, it's a co-op program. So you would, you would go to school for three months, work for three months. They would help you get jobs, 
go to school for six months, work in, in the industry for six months. And I, I got one of the most prestigious jobs at IBM. So I was working for IBM at the time. Wow. Um, but it was, it was um, you know, it was, it was intro pay and you kind of had another job. So I had a job um, uh, as a bouncer, a doorman at Nick's Comedy Stop, where Joe Rogan was. Um, oh, gosh. A whole bunch of these people in that era. This is 1984, 85. Mm-hmm. Maybe wow. 80, maybe 86. Um, and upstairs, Nick's Comedy is a very famous comedy place in Boston during the, the heyday of Boston comedy. Downstairs was a group called Men in Motion. 1986, Chippendale's Male Dancing was gigantic. And wow. the, uh, the guys that were running the show down there offered me a dollar more an hour to be <laughs> To be, to be a host. And I said, what's that? They said, well, you just put on these tight pants and a cuffs and collars and you put the <laughs> and it's a dollar more an hour. So that's sort of how it started. I went from within like two days, ended up as like backup dancing and then ended up going on the road with a group uh, affiliated with Playgirl Magazine, who I actually worked for more than anyone else. And they got picked up by Chippendales for a couple tours. Um, wow. So, so at that point, I had three months, I had three months off of school before I had to come back. So I, 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 this company that was with Playgirl magazine had a tour going out, a 30 day tour. And I thought, what a great opportunity. And, um, nine years later, I was trying to figure out what I was going to do for my next living after I dropped out of college in IBM and was a, uh, was was, was at 29 years old, was a, uh, an over the hill male dancer. <laughs> I'm sure the perks were fun. Did you have any? I mean, did you have any prior experience in performance? Like, how no, did you no, even? Not, not, not at all. I didn't. Um, I mean, it's an interesting thing. I had sort of very young childhood dreams of being a Hollywood stuntman, which kind of <laughs> comes to the end of our story. Um, probably from like eight years old to thirteen, had a had a a big drive to be a stuntman and would jump off roofs and. And all these things. But, but, but by the time I was 13, I got smart enough to realize I live in Western Massachusetts. It's a really dumb idea to want to be a stuntman. It would never, ever happen. So I kind of gave up on that. But I always had, I was definitely a, a bit of a ham, someone that wanted to, that, that liked sort of being the center of attention. I definitely had um, kind of insecurities, uh, uh, inferiority complex with a big ego and put those together. And um, what do you mean? What? <laughs> <laughs> Explain that one. No, so really, I was I was an insecure kid, um, but would make up for it by sort of being bigger than I was. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I would kind of always be the center of attention, but it was much more for my own sort of safety than anything else. It's how it's sort of how I kind of found myself. So that sort of so I had that. So so once I really thought it was a dollar more an hour when I first started the hosting, and then as soon as I started doing some of the the dancing part. Um, and the fringe benefits, as Naomi mentioned, came about. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm 21, 22 years old through up until 29. Um, I I I was maybe mediocre with women to that point. Like I certainly didn't. I don't believe it. At, no, at 18, 19, 20, absolutely was the case. Naomi. Oh my god! Um, wow, I, I, I just didn't have the confidence, and I would you know by mistake end up succeeding once in a while. But then once this happened. This is, you know, it's not, there are stories that aren't made for, for this sort of podcast. Um, (laughs) Well, you don't know, this might be part two. Hold on. Might be part two. As as a 20, 22 year old kid, I was on the road, um, moved out to California um, and spent basically um, 
300 days a year on the road, just traveling wow. from town to town, uh, mostly in the U.S. Mostly the kind of the, the biggest point we're with with the Playgirl group was uh, was in the Midwest. Chips, I did some Canada and in New Zealand. Um, but I, I, spent wow. a lot, I spent a lot of time in middle America. Um, really? And really grew to sort of love the, the, mm. the a lot of parts of it, but the, the middle America sort of uh, meat potatoes kind of people. Yeah. So wait, are these are these small towns you're driving through? Yeah, I mean, I, I'll, I'll I'll tell you, a tour would be would go to Cedar Rapids, Iowa, then Des Moines, then Lincoln, Nebraska, then wow. St. Louis, Missouri, then Kansas City, then Dubuque, Iowa. I mean, it's just from from the mid sized cities to small to small towns almost would book through, and and usually the smaller awesome. places, sort of the big big fish in a small pond thing, is when we make most mm. of our money and sort of become become quasi famous for a moment. Wow. But but what what started happening was is that I would start having moments of clarity. This is years later. Um okay. I, I would be it's really one of the dumbest professions you could ever have. Um <laughs> I, I worked really hard at, at having a pretty good physique. Um I was decent looking. I pretty much was at the bottom of the barrel of the group I was with. And that's not a demeaning to me. It was just a lot of really good looking guys, but that's stupid in its own right. Like you're not, you don't earn good looks. You just happen to be born that way. So I had, I had some decent looks. I worked out hard and then I would put on someone else's song and listen <laughs> to it and take my clothes off. <laughs> and, 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 and girls hopefully would go crazy. And there were moments after years of doing this where I would be in the middle of my my quote unquote act and literally look like step out of my body and look exactly what I'm doing, going, This is one of the dumbest things I've ever seen in my entire life. And it was Wow. Like, <laughs> But it was um, so. The, so this is this is when the maturity started to really take on, or just you became aware that you wanted something more. You started not, to actually. I, I, don't, I don't know that I would call it maturity because I'm now <laughs> trying, to, trying to break into the stunt industry. But yes, I, 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 I was it. I would call them moments of clarity. Okay, and so and so this ended at age 29 or 30, or how old were you? I was 29 or 30, and um, had had started touring. We, we toured in Hawaii from time to time, worked at uh, a, a place called uh, Fast Eddie's in Kailua. Would do, wow. like, would do like an entire summer. So I fell in love with Hawaii. I talked about <laughs> Hawaii being the first. I moved around a lot as a kid and, 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 and my, you know, we could have a, a, a six hour podcast on my childhood goods and bads. But it was, I, I, the first time I came to Hawaii, I remember feeling like it was home and I had never felt home mm. in my life to that point. And I was wow. 27 or 28, my first tour out here, and really kind of fell in love with that. And then um, I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do with my life as a 29-year-old washed-up male dancer with three years of junior college under his belt. Um, um, at that point, we had a sister company, this this Playgirl magazine company I was working for, that, um, that they ran uh, a female oil wrestling show around the no. world country no way so, oh my goodness so so they had it they had a show semi-permanently at a place called gussie lamore's uh a bar mm. by the airport that, that some of your listeners that are old enough will remember uh, something my dad would have called it a bucket of blood um <laughs> of, you know fresh off the boat filipino girls military and locals and would just be, be crazy so i was asked at the time i was in san diego and 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 the the boss of that company said hey would you be interested in going out semi-permanently and being the MC 
of um, this female oil wrestling show. And I'm 29 years old and single. And he goes, but the, 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 the only issue is that we've got four girls that we fly out there living in a two-bedroom apartment, um, and you'd have to live with them. <laughs> big problem. No, big problem for you. Yes. So yes. I was on I was on I was on the plane that afternoon, I believe. Oh boy. Uh, making, oh boy. Yeah, making $75 a night, um, four nights a week. I would take a piece of the Polaroid pictures that would do and I thought I was, you know, living large. I'd, would, oh. I'd would living in Waikiki would go to the beach all day long, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, mm-hmm. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, go in for a couple hours. Um it was uh it was a uh pretty pretty fun time so that's how i that's how i um sort of uh progressed out of dancing into what i am now a stuntman but before that as i'm at that bar um a guy named dennis smith the owner this would have been 1995 he came to me one day after our 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 very classy female oil wrestling show oh i'm said, sure it was um, so classy yes and, and said um he said hey <laughs> this thing on tv these guys like trying to kill each other and it was <laughs> He was talking about the ultimate fighting championship and he goes, what if, what if we did a show here? Like, what if we tried oh, wow. fights in this bar? And I said, I'm down for that. I'm a bit of a promoter. I'll, I'll try it out. And, but uh, you have no experience at this point. Like you haven't actually run any martial arts shows. Well, right. I had never said. done any martial arts. I had never, never wrestled and never done karate. Wow. I, I just wow. thought it was crazy guys trying to kill each other. So we, we put an ad in the paper. And again, this is 1995. And I had been living in Hawaii for six, six or nine months. Um, and at the time, you could do a, uh, you'd do a phone number with a voicemail hooked up to it. So you didn't have to answer calls. But you could then, you'd log in and find it. And, and the, I, we put it in, we put the, the number in the newspaper in the want ads. And I came into work the next night. And Dennis Smith, the owner, says, hey, how's, how's the response? I said, it's 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 fucking fantastic. It blew, there are sixty eight responses of people that want to fight. He said, no, He said, "Oh my god, that's incredible." I go, but I'm pretty sure that someone's fucking with me. And he said, "What is that?" <laughs> Remember, now I've lived here six months, Holly Boy from Boston, and and I'm I'm, I'm advertising looking for fighters. I get sixty eight calls, and I tell Dennis, I go, just about every call I hear chickens in the background. I think it's the same person. <laughs> Actually, it's the entire neighborhood. It's the same neighborhood is what you're getting. So, so that's how Super Brawl and Icon Sport and Mixed Martial Arts in Hawaii wow. started was the bar owner saying, he, I think he paid me either $500 or $1,000 a month to run the show. Wow. Um, and to me, at the, that was that was life-changing money at the time. Um, Absolutely. And, and, the, and then we did we did six or seven shows there and there was a uh, – we would sell out. The place would be packed. And they, again, it's more stories of people almost. Wait, wait, you, you can't, you can't move on from here because this is like basically chicken fights that are that are put on in a bar with people. I, I need to hear, yeah, I need to hear details. So, like, so what was the, what was the first fight? So they built, they built a ring. He had someone that welded and built a ring that was literally um, steel, plywood, and canvas. No padding whatsoever. No. Oh we, my we God! Had, we had the the bouncer. Um, we called him Speedy. The last name was Gonzalez. Call him Speedy Gonzalez. <laughs> the bouncer acted as the referee, and there was there was um, a, a, a medic that used to sit at the bar and drink all the time from from the, uh, <laughs> from the army that would would let him. <laughs> and 
there were the, the very first, very the second show. There was a a, a guy showed up, and he was in military pants and looked maybe a little off, but tough. And he fought a kid named Llewellyn Poomai Heilani, um, oh, no. who, who since has has passed, took his own life. Um, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, uh, but at this point, this kid. The, the 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 howly guy in the military pants got his head stomped so badly that oh boy. he was unconscious for two plus minutes in the ring. And the owner, Dennis Smith, was so concerned. He said, "We this looks horrible. You got to get him out of here." So the bouncers dragged him outside of the bar, still unconscious, so we could oh, go, no. so we could get the next fight going. So you, so you just left him there? Like you left him there and like, where, where'd he go? Yeah, he, he, woke, he woke up later. So here's the deal. Awesome. So, awesome. That time is the first fight. I, I said, I wrote the contracts with these fighters. And yeah, if you won your first fight, you got a hundred dollars. Oh, if amazing. You, there you, you go. Won, if you won your second fight. If you got to the finals, it was, you'd get 300 and then 500 for run up and a thousand dollars to the winner. But if you lost your first fight, you didn't win anything. Okay, so so there's no there's no like disclaimer line that by the way we leave your body outside. No, no, there is, the but it was the, whatever. However, it was I made it, but just so awesome. understand what a what a thoughtful human being I am in the you are. Of my promoting career. This guy. Awesome. So this is three hours later. Um, the fights are done. The guy's conscious, and I see him nursing a beer. And he looks like <laughs> an elephant man. His head, like just <laughs> sitting in the corner nursing a beer. And I thought. This motherfucker had to buy his own beer. The poor son of a bitch. Oh. Promise you, the very next month, we're doing once a month, I rewrote the contracts that said if you win your first fight, you get $100. If you lose, you get a beer. Awesome. There you go. <laughs> you, should have, you should have said you get like a like a straight bourbon shot because that's no, no, probably no, no. The, what they need. Cost extra. Can't, we can't, we can't, be, <laughs> no, okay. we can't cost that. Okay, okay. Well, then vodka. Maybe cheap vodka. No, I mean, no, they need no, it. Many people listening to this, if you're from Hawaii, understand sort of the era of Super Brawl and Icon Sport where we were selling out the Blaisdell Arena for, for the next 20 years. It's what I did. Um, I actually sold sold that company to a public company in 2007 for what I thought was retirement money at the time. But how that, how that came about is um, this is about the, the second or third or fourth event. Every, every month it would be packed. And there was this, uh, I would sell ringside seats for like $20. And there was a big mm. Norwegian guy that would that would scream and it would just, he was so excited. And I had known him because I, I was working out at the, the world, the world gyms here. And he used to let a lot of us poor guys work off our membership. Like he had us have stuff moved to give you a three month membership. So I knew him. So I went to him. His name was Ode Haugen. He's a world strongman competitor. And he had just sold all the world's gyms to 24 hour fitness and stayed on his mm. So we had a bunch of money. I went to him and said, Hey, you seem to like this. What do you say we bring this to the Blaisdell um, and try and do a bigger show? And he was all gung ho. Wow. The short story is I lost almost a hundred thousand dollars of his money mm. in, the, in the first nine months. Um, and, and what, and I, at the time I was still eating top ramen trying to get by and basically begging him to, to not do another show. We had done three shows and he said, well, let's take a look. He goes, you know, the first show looked really successful. The first show we lost $50,000. The next show we lost 30 and this last show we lost 20. I think we're going in the right direction. And now at this point <laughs> to me, $90,000 is, is 
you know, retirement money at that time for me just seemed ridiculous. And and so we, we ended up doing one more show. We made $5,000. And then I did 57 straight shows that we made profit on once I kind of figured okay. out. Wow. And, and how did you figure out that switch? What is it that changed in the way you were, you were strategizing your business? What changed? Uh, just, just making mistakes and, and, and um, learning from them. I mean, that's, that's okay. sort of, that's my life in general. I make so many darn mistakes. Um, and, and I tend not to make too many over and over to survive. Um, yeah. Smart. Other than, <laughs> uh, other, other than, um, your girlfriend, Ashley, those, that one I made. I know that one I made. <laughs> I'm sorry, but you know what, you know what, you know, what came out of that was our amazing friendship. So exactly. it's okay. Yes, it did. Okay. So anyway, so anyway, we started there, um, and now we're now five events in, and we had talked about me not knowing anything about martial arts or anything. I'm now 31 years old, and we're filling up the blaze still pretty full, but not making money. But it mm. quickly looks like, like, and I'm getting treated like that fucking Howley from Boston that's oppressing the, <laughs> local, the locals. Because I'm oh. I've got all these fighters fighting for $100 to show and $100 to win. And although uh. I'm actually losing money, no one really sees that. They see a big thing. Right. So I right. came up with the okay. idea that I, I w- enjoyed watching it. And I said, well, maybe if I just go to some of these guys' gyms and and let them beat me up and show them at least, you mm. know. Like, so I, I that was the smartest <laughs> move you've ever done. That is brilliant. And, and I and I quickly fell in love with um, uh, mixed martial arts and jujitsu and wrestling and, and Muay Thai fighting and um, had my first pro fight when I was 40. So I'm certainly wow. not. So I'm definitely not the smartest on the podcast <laughs> at the moment. But um, but but wait, how how did so so the first place that you went when Jesus, you decided? I, I went to Jesus the Lord Jim, um, Rachel Rich's okay. dad, who's now fighting in the UFC, um, fought for me, and Ray Cooper, whose son is now the PFL champion. All these guys that I trained with now, their sons are fighting for me or other. Wow. People. Um, awesome. And went there, and then I went to Helsing Gracie Jiu Jitsu, and I went to Egan. Ended up becoming. Um, a student of Egan and fought for Egan Anue. Um, he became okay. wow. He became sort of my meal ticket for quite a while. If you remember mm. in the late nineties, absolutely, he, he was selling out the Blaisdell, um, and, and 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 we had a partnership, and and he had a bunch. Yeah, he of was the man for the longest time. He was. He was world champion. You just he's a freak of an athlete. He was a world champion, mm. uh, a racquetball player. As though though still holds the the speed record for for a uh, racquetball uh, serve. Uh, was uh, was recruited to to swim for UH swim team in his uh, uh, early forties and 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 ended up not doing because he didn't have eligibility and now is a real high end surfer and foil bird. But anyway, great guy you get annoyed. So that's that's sort of how I got involved now as a fighter by mistake to try and sort of get respect from these guys and just fell in love with the sport and it really did work very well. Um, yeah. That number one they respected I did it. Number two, I got tough enough that if they wanted to mouth off, then we could go that way too. Like it was okay. Either, right. However you want to handle this, we can handle it. I'd much rather not. But um, it, it worked out very well. Then in, in 2007, um, I, I, I had an offer. This It's at a time that the mixed martial arts was blowing up. The UFC just got on TV with the ultimate fighter, the ultimate fighter, the reality show. And, uh, and a group called uh, uh, Elite XC uh, came to me and wanted to buy my company uh, and mm. wrap it up into theirs. Uh, they bought Rumble on the Rock, which would be J Penn's company. Um, That's right. That's right. Gotcha. Yeah, I'm. I'm still at, at this time a, um, oh seven. I'm a, a 39 year old 
kid that, you know, had, was making really good money, a lot of it in cash, um, unless the IRS, the IRS is listening now and then it really was all, it was all on the book. <laughs> But, but don't worry, don't worry, TJ. Nobody's listening. <laughs> so I'm, 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 I'm comp- confident of that, by the way. And, uh, and your lawyers, your lawyers on, on the podcast with you. So it's okay. I'm great. not his lawyer at this minute. I am not okay. his lawyer All when right. it comes to this. There's no attorney client. <laughs> yeah, I think I think I met you at that time because I remember that was when that's when you were involved with PJ Penn. Yes, exactly. so PJ Penn. That was exactly when I met you. Exactly when that would have been two thousand. And seven, eight, maybe a little after that we met, but I, they, they approached me and ended up buying. It was a, kind of a cool story. They bought my company for six point two million dollars, I believe. It was a big public company, um, and I, the, which is why you were not eating ramen when I met you. You were paying for all of our fine dining. Exactly, Thank you so much. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so how long did that last? So it's well, I, I don't know. Like maybe I was, I was only hanging out like six months. Right? So well, anyway. <laughs> So, so we we make the deal, and I don't I, I don't have anyone involved. I don't have lawyers in, involved with how to sell a company. So I take a big chunk in stock and uh, four hundred thousand dollars in cash. And one of the coolest things is my partner Ode Haugen, who had who I had lost all his money. I got him all paid back. Good, um, there you go. I got him all paid back in like the first year or two of the company, and then for the next fifteen, he didn't have anything to do with it. And he would just basically let me take whatever profit there was. And if he wanted to come into a fight, he had moved. So I'd fly him into fights, but he took mm. nothing out of it. So I got to give yeah. him. Wow. I get, so a, after the sale, I got to give him a check for $200,000, which was really, really cool. Um, wow. I, so what I'm hearing is a little of your integrity here. Like you definitely, I think that's, where, I think that's where you shine. By mistake, I would do some things correctly. Yeah. So, yes. So, so yes. I, I've got 200000 I have a dream of building a. Uh, 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 a gym like 24 hour fitness, but with mixed martial arts. Um, it, it may sound a lot like the UFC gym, but it didn't exist at the time. So I, I, I invested all my money in there. And then I had a five year consulting contract with this, this company elite XC pro elite um, that was paying me a really nice salary. And the gym, the gym wasn't making money yet. So I was putting a big chunk of my salary in there and a year into elite XC, they burned through $57 million and went out of business. And my stock, mm. my stock was worth zero. And my gym went under. No. So in 2008 or 2009, um, well, since Naomi's on here, I, I was, I was at, at, because of the 10 years before that, I was a pretty prolific bachelor. Like I did pretty good at it. Oh, <laughs> he, he was, let me, yes, he was a bachelor for sure. That so was anyway, like the, so, so, yes. so, so I'm dating Naomi's friend and I'm dating some other people as well. And this is the time that I'm, I actually was dating uh, my wife, who Naomi knows as well. Um, and she met me when I had $6 million and was living the life. We're dating six months and this whole thing falls apart. And I have three months where I have to collect welfare so my daughter can eat. And my wow. girlfriend at the time, my wife now, had to lend me two thousand dollars so I could pay my rent and pay bills. Wow! See, I didn't, I didn't hear all the details, but I remember there was a switch. There was a yeah. big switch. It went, it, it and, went in, the, in the course of two months, I went from being yeah. what I thought was retirement yeah. wealthy to being destitute. Um, and I promise you, promise, 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 it's the best thing that ever happened to me. It is because the next time I saw you, you had a ring on your finger, which I never thought would happen. <laughs> okay, well, I don't know. I think okay. 
Go ahead, go ahead, counselor. What do you need? No, this is the best thing that ever happens to you. I don't think we can move it to the next part yet. I, I think we're right. running up against the deadline. Yeah. I yeah. think we got to save the next step for, for the next two. time you come back to talk to us. We do. We do. But that was so fun. I'm so glad that you remember the same pieces I do. I just want to say that. Um, well, I remember all of them. Oh, yeah. No, but you know what? He was always an honest person. That's what I have to say. Like as much as as much as uh, he definitely did make a lot of mistakes. He's so emotional. He wore his heart on his sleeve and he was so honest. And um, I just think that that was really something hard to forget about the guy, you know? So Thank you. Can I can I I preview the next episode? So if you ever feel bad about yourself, you come on our podcast and Naomi will say the greatest things about you. <laughs> she will absolutely eulogize you and uh, put you on a pedestal. Wait, wait a minute. I'm going to get this out before 30 minutes, but I need to let you know what the next, how, how the next one will start. So <laughs> Before we go, TJ, you take us out by telling us what you're going to tell us next time. Go. I'm going to, so, so as as I meet my lovely wife Rose, and 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 Naomi sort of prefaced who I was, this sort of sort of male gigolo, ex-male dancer, millionaire, who was was uh-huh. doing really well. Um, my wife's at the time was in a, uh, a custody and divorce battle with her husband, who was picture your very most typical Pearl City boy, athlete. HPD cop and a Marine sniper. Mm. So think about what he thought of me. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But I have to say, I have to say that your lovely wife Rose is quite a keeper. She is definitely a tough one. She's sweet, but she's she's way tougher than she looks. And if she can if she can handle you, then then you obviously You've got somebody that really, you know, is, is and built. Most importantly, built she's a nurse and she's on the front line right now. She's she is. She's actually, she is. I think even, even more important than a nurse, she's a microbiologist. So she's in the lab. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So she's actually running the tests. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Oh. Yep. We'll get into yep. that as well. There's plenty, plenty to talk about. Yep. And thank you very much for joining us tonight on the Aloha Friday podcast.